It's been too long, my friend. Ansem the Wise? Why didn't you come to me before things got so bad? Welcome back everyone to Kingdom Hearts by Heart, the reading episode. No, 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 wait. No, don't go. No, don't hit stop. Oh, they're gone. We're no. lost in the book dimension. Oh no, it's back. Yeah, I hope you brought your, your, your spectacles because, yeah, this week's episode's going to be very text heavy because we're getting to all the nerdy... <laughs> More building background documents. Ooh. Instead of Disney Corner, it's Ienzo's Corner. <laughs> yes. So, uh, much like Kingdom Hearts 1, where we did an episode dedicated to the Ansem Poets, and the Ultimania interview, we're doing it again! Woo! This time for Kingdom Hearts 2! Yeah. So, we've been stockpiling our Ansem reports this whole time. Or should I say, the secret answer reports. Yes. <laughs> and today we're ready to cash them in, baby. Mm -hmm. So, I am your uh, forsaken scholar, Kevin, <laughs> joined by my data projection, who's secretly an entire town replicated in another realm, but... It's all contained in the small boy's memories, but it's okay, because it's all in a plot to convert the data into memories. You know, we're going we're gonna to get into it later, but uh, <laughs> I'm joined by Marshall. Oh. I knew I wasn't real. <laughs> yeah. Is anything real anymore? Like, is any of this for real? Nah. Or not? And, yeah. Ain't some reports, baby. So. Before we dive in, you want to give us a little bit of a rundown there of how to get those answer reports? Oh, uh, boy. Spoiler alert. Just play the game, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, welcome to Kingdom Hearts 1 is, is different from Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, one, there are some locked behind. I want to say it might have been Final Mix, but, like, there was, I know there was at least one behind, like, Kurt Ziza. You have to talk to Aerith in... Um, the library to get some. Uh, yep. I think yeah. For final mix, the super bosses had uh, Ansem reports locked behind them as well. Um, but Yeesh. then no, yeah, like some of them were story, and then some weren't. So it's kind of all over the place. Two is like, yep. Hey, we want you to we want you to be interested, so we're just gonna give them all to you. <laughs> Which is funny because in Kingdom Hearts One, they make a point. Like, within the story, to, like, call attention to the answer reports, like, Aerith is like, oh, we're hoping we could find his answer, the answer in Ansem's reports, but mm -hmm. its, gauges, its pages were scattered everywhere to many yeah. worlds. Like, they were actually um, mentioned. Yeah. Like, it was kind <laughs> of like a minor goal, aside from the keyholes. Yeah. But here, like, no one really cares about them. <laughs> uh, they just show up randomly. Um, Take it! Take it from then, me! Yeah, and then when you do open them, they're super long. So I had to question. I'd love if, like, 
uh, there was like a trophy for reading all the ANSOM reports, <laughs> not getting them, actually reading them. So then we could see the data of how many people get that trophy. Because I'm very curious how many people actually read the ANSOM reports. Hmm. I can. I, hmm. I mean, we obviously have in the past. Uh, yeah. I think every so often, like it wouldn't. I would read them. Yeah, I would read them like sporadically. Like, oh, I think I've gotten like two or three. Let me go see what they said. And then by the time I yep. think after you collect the last one, I would kind of then go through all of them in yep. numerical order just to see like what's the, they for here, especially for two, they kind of, there is one, then two, then three, like they are beat next beat, next beat. They don't really yep. jump around. So jump around. I, think, like, I guess that's the reason they also give jump them to around. you in a jumbled order is because it's like, Oh yeah. no, you can't know the full story yet. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would do, like, the first time I played each game, I would probably read them as they came up, but then, and subsequent playthroughs, I'd wait till I get them all, and then read them all, but, like, whew, for Kingdom Hearts 2, like, you you need to put on a kettle of tea, you need to get cozy and a big comfy chair, because it, it would take me, like, 30 minutes Yeah. my eighth grade reading level <laughs> <laughs> which is sad because uh, I, would, I would love to do dramatic readings of the Anson reports and but like for two it's, it's not happening one we didn't they're and, too long and that's a that's a road we have crossed unfortunately and then yeah two is just they're they're like literally like two or three paragraphs. i mean they're kind of written in sort of like poem structure they're not poems fun fact but yep. they're like a good like if you broke them up they each one is like two paragraphs probably yeah yeah, for sure. Like, it's at least twice as long. Well, actually, let me take a peek, because I have the handy-dandy wiki page here that has all of the reports in one Shout place. Shout out so to cagewiki.com, who has made this entire podcast doable, because <laughs> this, is, this is now, okay, the, yeah. the homepage is bookmarked one, in my browser because two, of how often I reference the KH wiki. Three. That's a good call, yeah. Four... Five. Okay, so the first game's reports are about five and a half page lengths uh, for Cage 2. One, two. This is riveting content. Three. Yes. Oh. Boring absolutely nobody. <laughs> five. Six. Six. Seven. 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 Eight. Oh, no. It's getting higher. Nine, uh, ten. Uh, it's almost exactly eleven. It's almost. It's about wow. eleven and a half. So it's more than twice as long as the entire length of the KH one reports. <laughs> um, and then I feel like they just get longer from here with like the other games reports. Um, <laughs> oh boy! But yeah, so. Let's just dive on in, shall we? So Ooh. we're not going to go through them beat by beat because uh, they're super yeah. long. And also, it's funny, like, because I remember reading through them, you know, when the game first came out, just yep. thinking, like, how much more dense the KH2 reports were. Mm-hmm. Just because there's so many little plot threads that they touch on. Yeah. Um, So they were just much more interesting to me. But now it's funny, like... In hindsight, like, a lot of what the the secret reports cover in KH2, like, it's just common knowledge at this point with, like, 
what other games plots yeah, are. Like the, like these pl- like the threads <laughs> that they have started have mostly come to an end yep. at this point. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I didn't take too many notes on, like, what I thought was interesting, because, like, what is interesting are things that we'll just talk about more in depth as we get to them yeah, in the games. Yes. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Whereas but there were a few little bits and pieces. I was like, hmm. Exactly, yeah. It's not it's not all for naught. Luckily. Luckily. Yeah. But um yeah. one was definitely more welcome to KH one, where things were I feel like the plot itself was open and shut, but all the little tendrils and threads could, I mean yep. that's that's the point of a good standalone game, is like you it's not direct sequel bait, it's just, you know, here are some loose ends hmm. that theoretically could delve into new content yeah. and new stories I, where I feel like I have so- a thought on that later. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely felt that going through the Ultimania interview, which we will, which we will touch on at the end of the episode. But yeah, like I know the, yes. the later Ansem reports are just most of part of calm essentially, basically. Well, like again, story beats yep. that have happened. And then the th- the other threads from the earlier answer secret secret answer reports I should say are things that after playing five more Kingdom Hearts games are just things that we now know and have oh this thing got resolved oh my goodness mm-hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah let's get started yes answer report number one so the main thing. That sort of stuck out to me for this first one is, so one, he makes mention, and I, I guess we should say, you'll get more of this episode if you actually read the reports yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, you have homework there if you will haven't be done a that link already. In the episode description, but also yeah, we'll link exists. it. <laughs> yeah, and also if if you're playing along, you'll already have them all within the game. Exactly. Um, so if you haven't read them. I recommend pausing and going to do that, or you can you can read them. You can read each report as to talk about them, make it a very dynamic experience, whatever you want to do. Uh, but yeah, report number one, the main thing that was interesting to me was he mentions earlier reports, mm-hmm. which, hmm, I question. <laughs> because <Yes. laughs> it makes me wonder, like, how long has he been studying the heart? Like, I I guess I was always under the impression he didn't really get into this whole heart phase until Mickey visited, or at least very soon beforehand. Mm-hmm. I guess it wasn't until Xehanort showed up. That's my thought, um, yeah. That's, yeah. I have the exact same Yeah, <laughs> But this, this kind of muddies up the timeline. Like, if there are whole other reports on this subject... Like, how long have you been doing this? So, I'm not sure what that's about. But the other thing is just... He's talking about this paradise. Oh, it's so fabulous. The radiant garden. It's born of the flowers nurtured from the land. And we all love it here. Mm-hmm. And he, like, kind of sets up this idea of, like, Oh, I have to protect this land from the darkness. So I must carry my research forward. Mm-hmm. But, like... Hmm... Like, one, why is he so afraid of the darkness? Because darkness isn't a thing, like, during this period, because it's before the Heartless invasion. Mm-hmm. And, like, why is he afraid of it? But also, how does he know what it is? Like this? I'm trying to think of this timeline specifically. It's, it's, it's before Mickey, so it's before... 
BM. It's post. And I mean, they're not gonna hold back at this point. It's post BBS. It's PX. Yeah. It's post Zaynort. <laughs> which is post BBS. <laughs> yes. It's PX, but BM. <laughs> God, I hate it already. Oh, but yeah, it's a. Uh... God, I'm, 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 I'm racking my brain trying to think about it that I am losing my train of thought as we speak. Upon the matter. Welcome to Kingdom Hearts. But yeah, I, uh, it's... I don't know. There is there is no... Tr- I mean... Uh, the, the events... For those who haven't played BBS, the events of BBS would have taken place. So, like, there's a little bit of unversed, like, contact. But I'm not sure Anson yeah. even really... He might receive reports, but at least within BBS's context, he doesn't really see or partake. Yeah. Like, it's not like... And also, that was, like, very short-lived. Yeah. Like, a very contained and, incident it was only because of Vanitas at the end of the day as well yish so yeah it makes me question like is Ansem one of these people who know of the legends of old because you know some people know about how the world was once light and then the darkness overtook it yada 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 and then the kids um, cried a bunch and then the worlds came back ah, yeah. Pangea so I feel like there's more to Ansem's backstory that could be explored than we know of currently. Like, everything that we know about Ansem since this is kind of, like, takes place after this. Like, we don't know too, too much about his backstory yeah. before the Xehanort shenanigans, other than he was a benevolent leader. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he did not so, get yeah. his own mobile game spinoff, unfortunately. Yeah, Ugh. exactly. Sad. And then the other thing that was interesting is he mentioned something about, and my apprentice, Evan, is also very curious about these memories, um, which hasn't really been addressed. So uh, uh, it's safe to say Evan is the somebody of Vexen of Organization 13 fame. But Vexen slash Evan have not displayed any sort of curiosity toward Xehanort slash Zimnus. Um, I'm thinking, because yeah, in the one cut scene about the Chamber of Waking and Chamber of Repose, it was Zigbar and Zexion talking about it. Right? Like, Vexen wasn't involved in that. Yes, like, it start, that, that scene starts with um, it starts with Vexen and Ienzo, uh, John, not, okay. Ienzo? Zexion, sorry. <laughs> Zexion. That, that, yeah. Zexion is the Zexion is the one that well, I will kind of flip flop if I'm if I'm not concentrating too hard on the names. Yeah. But uh, but yes, uh, Vexen and Zexion are uh, mouthing off at each other. But I mean, Vexen is doing it, and then Zigbar uh, drops in and he's like, you know what? I know some things, but I I'm not going to say specifically what those things are. But things are happening, Zexion. Do you As know about does. other things? He's like, fuck yeah. off. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, with him mentioning in the report, it makes you wonder, huh, is Evan another character with more of a backstory than he's led on that we do not know of yet? Because mm-hmm. um, for all the apprentices, save Zigbar slash Brig slash Blyg, um, before it was translated into English. Oh, uh, yeah. That was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this is pretty much all we know of them, really. Like, they were his apprentices. Um, but I wonder if Evan 
has more knowledge than he's let on, or mm. is this simply alluding to, you know, Evan is the curious one, he's the scientist, he's the one who wants the answers. <gasps> um, I'm not sure how much to read into this comment, because, like, if anything, Brag should be the one who's curious about Xehanort's memories, but... <laughs> mm. That's a... Yeah. That's, that's a long... That That is... And it, that is a lot. Yeah, we're gonna come back to that in a few games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think. I think so, yeah. it's it's take, just take it at face value. It's like, oh look, it's Evan. Yeah. He's, the, he's the scientific one. Yeah. Like honestly, I think what's actually happening here is they're just sprinkling in the names of the apprentices so you can be like, wait a minute, that looks familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's funny, because this one, this one towards the end, it mentions, it mentions Evan, because he says something along the lines of Evan has also shown interest in, like, Xehanort's memories, that, he, that he's just, he got yep. none left. And I think in maybe reports to, or one of the other reports, he just name dumps the rest of them. It's Pretty like, oh, much, yeah. Here are the rest of the yeah. Apprentices. Two, two has Yenzo, and then three is just it goes through all of them. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> just dropping names left and right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, speaking of number two, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was interesting how he says. Let's see. I'm trying to pull it up. Um, <clears throat> Quote unquote, spurred on by my youngest apprentice, Yenjo, I constructed a massive laboratory in the basement <laughs> of my castle. <laughs> so apparently, Yenzo is the culprit for all of this? What? <laughs> <laughs> it just, I can't think of anything in particular, but <laughs> I just imagined little Yenzo. Because, well, to be fair, no, because we've seen Yenzo in Birth by Sleep. He's like of a younger age, but like. He's literally a child. Between these. But he, again, he is the youngest. Yeah, like, literally. I a guess ch- so. Yeah. <laughs> Just a child being like, what if we were to kill God? <laughs> is yeah. the imagery that appears in my head when I think of this. Yeah. Yeah, so again, I'm not sure how to read this. Is it just he's the youngest one, so he's going through his angsty teen phase? So he's like, <laughs> yeah, let's give into the darkness and explore it. Or... Is it just trying to hint at, like, a more nefarious nature? Because going off of Zexion, Zexion is very much lay low and kind of hang out in the corner and don't really say anything. Like, yes. He's he's uh, not really malicious. He's observ- <laughs> observant to, to even a fault, I would say, in some scenarios. But yeah. yeah. He is, like, Vexion, it's very funny, because Vexion is very the mad scientist, and then Yenzo is, like, actually... Actually, yeah. the scientist like, uh, like Vexen gets he very heated, very emotional over his research, and Vex is actually is just kind of come as you go. He's more willing to, like you said, slink in the shadows and just observe everything happening and be like, ah, that was interesting, cool. On to the yep. next one, basically. Yeah. So, like uh, so for like <laughs> spurred on by my youngest. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think. Ansem is just kind of at this weird crossroads, and like as we, as you'll see when we get to BBS, and those who know of BBS, Ienzo is kind of just because he's the youngest, he's like very always at Ansem's side. So my first, yeah, I was gonna say he's kind of like the favorite, exactly. Yeah, like of the very little we've seen of them, but yeah, he's slamming down on his desk like I don't know what to do. Ienzo's like, well, 
what if we just kept going? He's like, it's too dangerous. Ianto's like, but yeah. what if we just kept going? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like just in general, like all the little nuggets we're pulling out here. Like, I feel like, like this whole section of the apprentices, like this could be covered in something, whether it's like a game mm-hmm. or like an AMV. Is that the word? VOD? VOF? Um, OVA. Original Video OVA. Animation. <laughs> uh, yeah, Animation. one of those. Um, kind of like how they did for, like, the back cover in 2.8. Like, there's more to be gleaned here, especially because, like, these characters, the apprentices, like, the somebodies, mm-hmm. could definitely use more screen time like they're all very underwritten and like everyone else has had more of a presence in their somebody forms like Dimix Mm -hmm. through um or actually Syx I should say Syx through uh Roxas Mm -hmm. like we all get what they're about but like the apprentices are all vague so like it'd be interesting to see like this whole period of like research and like you know getting into more of Ansem's backstory and just the world before the Heartless invasion. Like, mm, I don't want to encourage Nomura because <laughs> give him an inch, he'll take a mile. But <laughs> he's li- he's listening I... to this very podcast during during his bang <laughs> session. He's like, "Oh, you don't want that, do you?" <laughs> yeah. Oh God. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things where like this scene has been described and i think we mentioned this and when we covered the original answer reports yeah. like it's been described a lot but it's so hard for me to like picture it 100 percent. so i wouldn't be opposed to some sort of story exploration for like what actually happened here mm-hmm. um but yeah the other thing that came up in report two is he says the words the infamous keyblade infamous and this is specifically in reference to, uh, let's see, how does he refer to him? Um, <laughs> a tiny king named Mickey. <laughs> um, he came wielding a legendary key, the infamous Keyblade. And the word infamous makes me wonder, like, it seems to suggest that he knew about the Keyblade even before Mickey showed up. But mm. if we go back to the original answer reports... It suggests that Ansem only knew about the Keyblade because of Mickey. So it seems so, yeah. Again, I'm wondering, much like Darkness, like did he know about the Keyblade before this, or is he just saying it's infamous because of things that Mickey told him? Hmm. I think it could be. I'm not I've, quite sure. I, could, I think it could be either at this point. Because he but... also says, said to bring both chaos and prosperity yeah, to the world. I, I feel but like I have a hard Mickey... time imagining Mickey being like, here's my Keyblade! It yeah. brought chaos and ruin to the world! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I imagine it's something like he's heard in Legends, perhaps, but then he sees Michael J. Mouse with this giant key sword, and he's like, it's a thing! It's a thing I've heard right. about! And Mickey's like, yeah. yeah, it's here. Yeah, I guess he could be like, you know, like King Triton, he knows about the Keyblade, and he's yeah. also, quote-unquote, woke and privy Ooh. to the inner machinations of the Keyblade and Light and Darkness. So maybe Ansem's just kind of like that, um, where he knows more about the true world. But again, this is like, I want to see more of this. Like, how did he learn about these things? Like, 
It's events I, I think that we have known to happen and have just like yeah. referenced so many times throughout the journey of Kingdom Hearts so far, like up through I guess technically Melody and Memory at this point, that like perhaps yeah. visualizing in some media this could be worth like exploring, I think. Yeah, like I wonder if in Union Cross he's come up at all cuz like that's where a lot of the backstory is happening, where like the characters are getting fleshed out. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think so. But like, Ansem's like a really important character. Like, he's has some sort like pretty much in every game since Cage Two. Like, he's had some sort of like major contributor to the plot. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, we still know relatively little about him. So that's why, like, most of these reports, I'm just like, but, like, how? Like, why do you know this? How did you come <laughs> to this conclusion? Ah! Ah! But yeah, whatever. It's, it's kind of all over the place. Um, for, for very, very quickly, I do know, I think it, I think it was part of the main story, but at some point, Donald and Goofy and Mickey end up in Daybreak Town during the events of, uh, oh, God. Key, uh, yeah. X, whatever you prefer to call it. Good. God. Now, I, uh, it, when we talk about the Keyblade, I'm gonna rip my rip my fucking ears off. Um, but yeah, like I know they show up for like one part of the story, and they're never seen ever again. But that's like the first 500, 400 missions of Key. So who knows what happens after that? But yeah. I can say that much because I played like the first few years of of the game. So yeah, yeah, yep. Okay, so moving on. Answer report number three. Mm-hmm. Um. Just a few little bits. Uh, we find out how he came up with his name. D I Z stands for Darkness in Zero. Yay! Ooh, um, because crazy. the apprentices betrayed him, and then somehow he got blasted into the Nothing Zone. Which okay? How? My first thought is how does <laughs> oh uh, before before it leaves my mind. I do. I did uh, highlight a part in uh, report number two where Mi- Mickey. It's like the line after the Keyblade one. He uh, like advises Ansem to check his his lab, and that's when he discovers yep. the Ansem reports that were pinned by Xehanort. Oh yes, technically. Yep. So I thought that was interesting because at this, I mean, welcome to BBS, and we'll get to BBS eventually. But upon hearing the name Xehanort, you know. I imagine Mickey goes, like, pale white, and he's like, oh, oh, that's not good. But yeah. That's a, that's a very interesting But it's thread. also one of those things where, does Mickey ever specifically hear the name Xehanort? Because I could very easily see it just not, never coming up, because this has happened multiple times with Mickey, where it's just like, well... It never came up, so gosh. He was that de- what I know. I think it'll be. I think when we get to BBS and to leave this leave this point where it is, so we can actually transition forward. I think it'll be interesting yeah. going back to the final few chapters of BBS and keeping an eye on how much does Mickey retain and how much he is in the, right. the, the final very important story bits of that game in particular. Yeah. Well, uh, okay, never mind. No, we definitely know that. Mickey knew that this was Xehanort, because in the flashback in Cage 2, that's when Xehanort comes in, and was like, Xehanort, you stupid boy, get out of my sight, let me talk to my mouse. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, with that being said, Mickey should know, wait a minute, Xehanort, uh, Ansem, do you have a gun? Because we need to, like, take this guy out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at that point, you know, Mickey is training against Sid, I'm pretty sure, and we'll find out when we play BBS again, we'll, you know, we'll 
try to pick up on these points as best we can. But, like, how much does Mickey know about Master Ericus and the other apprentices, basically? I think will be yeah. interesting. Because he definitely meets Terra Aqua, and then he's like, I know nothing about you guys! But has he heard yep. of Master Xehanort and Master Ericus by the time he's under Yen Sid? I think will be a interesting pin to come back to. Yeah. Um... So yeah, he ends up in the nothing realm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's because so this is after they give in to the darkness, turn to heartless, and thus are turned into nobodies as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just use their new nobody powers to blast them into the realm between. Um, but yeah, it was just weird to me how they kind of gloss over that and how he just immediately knows, oh, this is the realm of nothingness. Um, and just kind of takes that at face value. But, yeah, basically he's wandering in what I imagine to be the, um... Oh, I forget the name. The betwixt, betwixt in between, where you fight all the nobodies with Axel. Yes. That zone. That's what I'm imagining here. Um, so, yeah, he's... His heart is filled with revenge! <laughs> um, so he kind of goes on for that. Uh, for a lot. <laughs> um, and it gets a little tedious for the next few reports, and he kind of just summarizes the events of Chain of Memories, but in report number five, he calls out the distinction between pure blood Heartless versus Emblem Heartless, mm-hmm. which is to say there really isn't much of one other than pure bloods came first, obviously, mm-hmm. but then the apprentices use the pure bloods to then create artificial Heartless, which are marked by emblems. So they act the same... Uh, they have the same instincts, same motives. It's just yeah. they're cheap knockoffs that were mass produced, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's interesting. And then mm-hmm. in the same report, he goes on to theorize that Xehanort became a heartless specifically so he could command the heartless to then seize all the hearts, specifically at the hearts of worlds, to oh, amass yeah. the great darkness. Blah 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 blah. But that makes me wonder, okay, well, if you need to specifically become a Heartless to control them, then what the hell, like, how do Maleficent and Pete have the power to control them? I guess they don't, because in the end, Maleficent gets taken by the darkness, but... Yeah, um, I mean, this is the early days, so we can chalk it up to experimentation, I think, as, like, a part of it. At this point, I feel like they... They're not, they're not nobodies yet, right? They're still, they're still, they are, they are nobodies at this point. Okay. Hmm. He casts this on his own body and soul to become a heartless. Wouldn't he be able to control other intractable heartless? Okay. Like he's theorizing because he knew that they gave up their hearts and he's theorizing the reason that they did that is so Xehanort could become a heartless and then control them. Um, like, he doesn't actually know that he became a Heartless, mm. but he's theorizing. And in the yes. same report, he goes on to say, Oh, but this is all conjecture on my part. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, a- okay, it's just answering the why spitballing it up. Okay, that... Yeah, that, basically. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. I'm also interested, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna go, actually, this exact moment, or this, what takes place between... Banished to Dark World, the Realm of Darkness, whatever you prefer to call it, and him coming back. We explore a little bit in some of the titles, but I would, I, yeah. I don't know. I've never known how long Ansem the Wise 
stay down there because as we learn in future games yep. like path time passes very very quickly in the realm of darkness so who knows how yeah long even in these reports he says it feels like an eternity um so yeah it's an unspecified amount of time I don't know. I don't think he actually goes in the realm of darkness. I think he's stuck in the realm of nothingness for this whole time. The realm of darkness is later. Well, <laughs> well, no. Where, where's dark? Doesn't, he, I basically think he's in the realm of darkness the entire because he ends up in the dark. Or spoiler alert: dark margin talks with Aqua. Yada yada yada. Blah blah. Like that's all. Um, is the dark margin? It, I assume it's in the realm of dark, right? Is it? Somehow not. Yeah, my brain's. I mean, maybe it's like the border, and they touch. Because he's he's definitely in the realm of nothingness. Because that's how he ends up in or Twilight Town. Because he like he says all this in the report, Mm -hmm. but he was definitely in the realm of darkness at some point. Because he says this isn't the first time I've been on these shores. So yeah, like the timeline here is very murky, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um. Yeah. Unless, well, no, okay. Four oh four system reboot. He does mention he gets he like learns he <laughs> you've acquired the power of darkness and he exactly. starts to use the dark quarters. In so six, maybe yeah, the in the following report he mentions that. Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he definitely in, he started in the realm of nothingness, but maybe he used the dark quarter to then end up in the realm of darkness. I don't know. It's it's confusing me. Maybe we should just move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I scroll down to six because I have the page open. I'm to, for reference for issues uh, uh, with this new power. Oh, I have like or, five monitors open to keep track of all this. Exactly. Uh, that connects the realm of nothingness to the outside world. So I think I want I want to say he's just been yeeted into the realm of darkness. Because uh, so in preparation. For our, our Ultimania interview, I opened up my KH Ultimania everything before everything up to Kingdom Hearts three. Buy uh, um, stories. So buy to Barnes and Noble now. Another book in other stores where you can acquire books <laughs> that you can read. Um, or your local library. Exactly. But uh, I there was luckily like in the first few pages there is here's the realm of light. Here's the realm of dark. Here's all the weird stuff in between, like Twilight Towns Ooh, in between that's that. Good. The world that never was is in between that, thankfully. So there's a lot of... The, the the realm of Twilight, surprisingly, is very, very, very gray. Who would have thought? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to I say he's just... Because it connects to the outside. He, yeah, because he says, I come back to the realm of light. I, he's like, oh, Xehanort, typical of a heartless. Ooh, your boy called it. And like some other stuff, so I, I think he's just he's just roaming around the dark world for quite some time, and he's like, you know what, bitch, I can get back now. Yeah, but he says my choice to to, to befriend darkness here in the midst of nothingness was a sound one. So <sighs> is he just saying nothingness like in like abstract terms, like I'm in the dark realm and I... there's nothing here, or does he mean the literal realm of nothingness because <laughs> there is a difference? <laughs> Unfortunately, there is a difference. I'm gonna say I I uh, want to say I, my 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 money's in the in the dark world pot. I'm thinking it's okay. just he's like oh my god there's nothing to do here. They let's, don't even, they don't even have discotheques. Oh. Yeah, because they're ostensibly the same thing. It's just the miserable realm of pain. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. But yeah, eventually he makes his way to Twilight Town. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Which is on the edge 
of light and darkness. Which makes absolutely um, no sense still. It still yeah. hurts to think about why Twilight Town. I think, uh, oh God, I think Traverse Town is one of the in-betwixt ones too, which hurts my brain yeah. even more. But Traverse Town makes sense because it's the yeah. refugee world. And exactly. It's that like, also oh. comes up in some reports. Yeah. But twi- tri- to, to Twilight Town... <laughs> I don't understand, because it's just a little town with people, and they're having their cozy little lives playing Struggle, but they're, like, cots in the nexus point between light and darkness. Yeah, there's, like, nothing existential about Twilight Town besides literally the name being Twilight Town. Yep. And, like, every mm. world that's not, that's in the realm of in-between... Like, there's a reasoning for it. Like Castle exactly. of Oblivion. Like the world that never was. Twilight Town is just... Uh, I'm going to call it the red-headed stepchild of the worlds in yeah. between. <laughs> because why? Because, yeah, like, the only important people who come to Twilight Town are not from Twilight Town. So there's yeah. nothing inherently, like, exactly, significant yeah. about it. <laughs> it's not like Hayner and Pence know the way to, to... Oh, we found a gate to hell here! Oh, boy! There's something weird going yeah. on the town. Like, Twilight Town is pretty normal. It's just that... <laughs> it happened... Yeah. By happenstance, happens to be the, the focal point of a lot of important things, but they're all external. It's Roxas coming here, it's Sora yep, coming here, it's exactly. Nikki coming here, so on and so forth. Yes. <sighs> Boy. Um... Cool. So now he's in Twilight Town. Uh, he explains how blah blah blah. He moved the pod from Castle Oblivion to the mansion, and they. I think we questioned this at the start of the game. They. They re. They built the white room and the the mansion basement, or maybe this was in the Ultimania. Actually, I think it was. Um, it wasn't there from the beginning. It's not like those two rooms are connected. Like. Got they you. remade it once oh, okay. they transferred the pod. So that's one mystery solved. Yay. Got you. Okay, so everything did um, happen in Castle Oblivion. And they're like, okay, well, Ansel's like, yo, yo, I got this cozy little uh, hobbit hole in Twilight Town. Yeah. So let's go to Twilight Town. Exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Nominee and Diz meet up and they decide to team up to one, help Sora, but two. Uh, get back at the organization because Domine also has uh, nothing but bad feelings toward them. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not sure if this is coming from the report or the Ultimate interview because I read them back to back. I yep. think this is from the interview, but we know that they teamed up because, again, this is another thing we question of like, since when are Domine and Diz a thing? But <laughs> it was in between the games. Um, but yeah, uh, with him spending time around Domine. Ansem, being the scientist he is, can't help but crack some theories about her. I just imagine him, like, poking and prodding her and, like, what are you? <laughs> um, but, yeah. What is Nominee indeed? So, he goes on to explain that she's not a Nominee, or she's not a nobody. Except she is a nobody. She is, but she's also a witch. Fact, nobody. God. <laughs> but basically... And the way I always thought of it and reading these reports has reconfirmed that. Um, so, whew, Kyrie's heart went into Sora's. Uh, Sora stabbed himself with the key blade of people's hearts, thus releasing Kyrie's heart. Uh, but then Sora's body was whisked away and then turned into a nobody, except it wasn't turned to 
a nobody, it was turned into two nobodies because Sora's body produced the nobodies for both his heart and Kairi's. Um, But Kairi had no darkness in her heart because she's Princess of Light, so therefore she created no corresponding heartless. So that's why Naminé doesn't have memories of... She doesn't have Kairi's memories and she doesn't think of herself as Kairi. Mm-hmm. She just thinks of herself as her own girl. Um, yeah. But because she was born of Sora's body and just, you know, mixed with Sora's heart, they made a little heart smoothie. That's why <laughs> she has the power to affect his memories and then the memories of people connected to him. Mm-hmm. She's basically like this big virus where once she uh, infected his heart, she infected the whole network. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so that's no, uh, Nominee's deal. Um, but then by that same token, token Roxas was born, and he also doesn't have any memories of Sora, but that's exactly, because yep. Sora was not a Heartless for very long at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's two of them explained. It's all very confusing and complicated. Yep. <laughs> but I think, I think that about sums it up. As far I, I, as, like, I think, I, what's important about exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> um, but also, because they're all one big memory cocktail, um, Sora needs Roxas to recover his memories. Um, but before I get into that, one other quick note in uh, report number 11. Uh, he just mentions that uh, Traverse Town is connected to the realm of darkness, <gasps> and that quarters of darkness would appear there, which is probably how Mickey got into the realm of darkness in the first place. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. It's one of those little things like, how did Mickey get there? Well, through Traverse Town. So, eh, I'll buy it. That makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, he then goes on to explain his whole Matrix plot with Traverse Town, or Twilight Town, and... Some of this I definitely forgot, or my mind just rejected because of the sheer insanity of it. <laughs> but basically, he explains that he replicated Twilight Town in data form. Yep. Because he knew that the organization would be searching Twilight Town because that's where Roxas was born, so it was going to be a hot spot. Yeah. So we need to stow away Roxas in this data Twilight Town to aid in the recovery of Sora's memories. Um,. But, like, <laughs> he didn't just create a day to Twilight Town. He created a daily day to Twilight Town that lived in Sora's memories. Uh, so, literally, the whole beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2 was all a dream. It was in all Sora's a dream! <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how that technology exists <laughs> to beam an entire data replication of the world. Uh, into one's memories, but it did, which is why Roxas started dreaming all the KH1 flashbacks because he was literally living inside them. Um, but I guess it's all an effort to like integrate Roxas' memories into Sora's memories, into Roxas's memories, into Sora. It's basically like doing like a blood transfusion, transfusion <laughs> where you have to like put the blood in the host's bloodstream first to like cycle it. And then you give it back? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
why why do you do this to us, Nomura? Because <laughs> then I had to wonder, okay, so this is all in Sora's head. How the hell did Axel get in here? <laughs> like, how is this a thing that you can teleport to? Ugh, I don't know. So, and then, in the end of Kingdom Hearts 2, when we go to the fake Twilight Town, like, did we just Inception ourselves? <laughs> God. It's Sora, but in Sora's memories. And unfortunately, this isn't the first time Sora's going to Inception himself. God. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's a whole big mess. It hurts. And it just it amounts hurts. to confusing us. It doesn't really have any story significance of why it's all world within his memories. Like, you could have just said it was a fake Twilight Town to keep Roxas safe. And then we connected him to Sora somehow, and that's how we started getting his memories. I don't know. Oh, I just... Yeah. <sighs> oh, I can't even. Let's have a moment of silence for our last two brain cells. Yeah, oh God. Like, my brain actually hurts from this. It's not funny. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Okay, we can do this. Oh boy. Yep. Just one more report, which is basically just, wah, I'm angry. And also, Sora wakes up tomorrow. Yay. And also, I'm kind of a terrible person. (laughs) I hope you'll forgive me, Mickey. And yeah, that's kind of (laughs) it. Uh, and then, uh, uh, one mystery remains. How did Xehanort manage yep. to open the door that appeared in the basement of my castle? Which would be a memory if, you know, we are reading this, or would be a mystery if we were reading this in 2006. But now, mm-hmm. we know how, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, yeah. So, that's the answer reports, baby! Did, did anything else stand out to you? Ugh. Not enough. Not enough to dive back in. I'm out of the pool. I'm going to go eat lunch. Yeah. I'm going to wait 30 minutes. Yeah. They're much more complicated uh, because at this point, Nomura knew that, oh, I got a franchise on my hands, baby. Yeah. Whereas with the first game, Mm -hmm. he didn't know if there was going to be a sequel or not. But now he's like, oh, so many plot threads to spin out of my beautiful mind. (laughs) Yep. And he just went for it. Man needs to be stopped. Ugh. Or he needs to go further. <laughs> okay. He survived the reports. Yay. Yay! Oh, it's all over, or is it? Looks the camera. <laughs> Not even close. Exactly. So, yeah. Them's the reports. Um, funnily enough... Or maybe not, but there's no real connection between the reports and the secret ending, which is our next topic, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because I feel like in the first game, the answer reports, at least 11 through 13, started getting, like, hinting at the idea of nobodies and, like, whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, which ties into KH2, but, like, I don't know, for the KH2 answer reports, it's it's definitely, you know planting seeds for the future games. Yeah. But it's more reflective 
than looking forward. Yes. Like, it's more explaining the things that happened in the game, um, which then, like, through all the extra details, will then kind of spin off into future games. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's a whole other subplot going on with the secret ending. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, oh, diddly darn. Yeah. So, technically, uh, we have two secret endings. Yep. Um, so the first one, much like in Kingdom Hearts one, is more of an abbreviated version of the much more exciting second one. Um, and <laughs> so the first one, I just have nothing but negative association for because whenever I see it, all I can think of is <laughs> poorly rendered 2006 Photoshop mock-ups of PlayStation 3 box arts. Yes! The screenshots from this ending yes. and a really crappy Kingdom Hearts 3 logo yes. subtitled The Keyblade Wars. <laughs> yes. Oh. So it just feels very cheap to me. And yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm here for this though. I'm so here for it. <laughs> yeah. But basically all that happens is, oh, they're keyblade wielders in armor and oh no there's a shadow in the distance walking toward us and we're gonna flash a bunch of quotes from the answer reports and then that's it yep <laughs> um so yeah that's that's really all I have to say about that because the second part which is the true secret ending picks up pretty much immediately after that um and it's the much more exciting part um yeah um, so the three wielders of Keyblades past, mm-hmm. uh, they meet at a crossroads. They all come from three separate paths, which is very reminiscent of the ending of Chain of Memories, where four paths converged at one point. Yep. And then, yeah, action ensues. So, old man uh, enters from off-camera. And he's wearing an outfit very similar to Ansem's Seeker of Darkness from Kingdom Hearts yes. 1. Mm-hmm. So, remember that. And then a smaller boy emerges from him, who is also wearing an outfit very similar to Riku. Or should I say Dark Riku from Kingdom yes. Hearts 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the smallest of the Keyblade wielders is about to run forward to start a fight, but then the big one pulls him back, and then he runs forward instead. And then action ensues. There's some earth-bending shenanigans. There's lots of jumping around. There's some thunder action going on. Um, It's all dark and exciting now, but basically, it's just anime hype, Um, and it's great. Uh, (laughs) And it's all dark and moody, and the soundtrack is intense. And, yeah, it's awesome. So I don't want to, like, go beat for beat. Um, yeah. It's... You've seen the secret ending by now, and if you haven't, what are you doing? Yeah, Just look go it up watch on the YouTube. ending. Woo! It's, YouTube exists for a reason. Woo! Yeah. Um, no, this ending is amazing. I remember seeing it. Because, again, this is the twi- uh, final mix exclusive. So I remember watching it and on YouTube back in the day. You know, back in its, 480p, like... 480p, baby! Psh- was it even that? <laughs> God. Um, 
but just my mind being blown because it's just like, oh my god, this is so to, too to much. use a very oh. overused word, epic. Um, and yeah, it was just ah, what's happening here? Who are these characters? Who's this old guy? Is this in the past? Is this in the future? Is it taking place at the same time? What's going on here? There are other Keyblade wielders. Um, why does this kid look exactly like Roxas? What's mm. happening? <laughs> Roxas! Um, Roxas. Yeah, it's just... Mm, it's good stuff. Um, definitely my favorite of the secret endings of the main three games. Mm-hmm. Um, like, one thing... I guess the main thing, really, that I love about the secret endings for each game is just they all sort of, like, redefine what Kingdom Hearts is and, like, really kind of expand, like, what the story's capable of. Where, like, Kingdom Hearts 1, it's like, oh, what's going on here? It's, like, modern-day city, and there are these people in cloaks, and this person has two Keyblades. What's going on here? Um... Versus, you know, just traditional Disney worlds. So that was insane. And now here, it's just like, what is even going on? There's like these this whole other sect of Keyblade wielders. Um, and there's like this talks of a Keyblade war. So it just like really like fleshes out the universe, which is cool. Um, so yeah, what do you think of the secret ending? Is good. Is good. There also, you have it, people. I, exactly, yeah. I mean, I have nothing pivotal to add. I remember yeah. seeing this. Luckily, I... Luckily or unluckily, I'm not entirely too sure at this point. We'll reflect on that in a moment. But I didn't see this, like, immediately after K2 came out. I probably saw this around... It was definitely before BBS, so it was probably in betwixt, like, uh, days and yep. coded that I was like, oh, they're, you know, oh, Japan got... Uh, I didn't know it was Final Mix at the time, but got an extended cage too. There's this secret ending. Ooh, what's going on here? And yeah, the, basically the same thing. But like, you know, I think, and I don't think, I know The Gathering is the secret ending that we just talked about, the, the snippet one. I'm not sure if this one even has like a name, like another side, another yeah, story. I don't is remember. Cage one. I don't think so because, or it, it may not, but like, uh, uh, God bless KHWiki.com for many many things, but I've, I don't I don't think there's an article particularly on this. But like I know there's one for another side, another story, and then gathering. So like this one was a little I don't know I wouldn't say hard to find or hard to like digest kind of, but I don't know it was a little more out there. But yep. uh, I I think it is probably one of the more impactful i still like like another side another story but i and also in retrospective i i think this one just it it whereas another side is kind of mild i think it's just like a bunch of theoreticals a bunch of ideas yeah um, it's more this, abstract this one, exactly this one just says yo 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 you know what you're gonna get yeah no you don't just, and neither do it's i it's just a whole scene yeah. yeah. Like, it tells, like, a little story in itself. Um, yeah. And, like, looking back... <sighs> I guess we'll get to it more in Birth by Sleep. But, like, it, it, the way it characterizes all the characters 
is really interesting Mm because, like, it's very much in tune with how they are when they actually debut. Um, Yeah. Like, Vin is a little over-eager, but he wants to protect his friends. Uh, Mm -hmm. Terra is super aggro and, oh, no, darkness. Uh, and Aqua is, uh, the only adult in the room and she's taking care of the other two idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's just good. Um, and also at the very end, you get special appearance from Michael Mouse. What the hell? (laughs) Very, very similar to, um, uh, deep dive slash another side, another story, Mm -hmm. uh, where he shows up at the very, very end. Um, just for a split second, he, he's back here. And he's got the Star Seeker Keyblade, which is just like, what? Why Why does he have that Keyblade specifically? What's going on? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> um, ugh, so good. But, yeah, we'll talk more about this scene uh, in Birth by Sleep, because it comes up a lot. Constantly. Um, Who would have thought? <laughs> but, yeah, it's yeah. good. And one thing I really love about it is... um. The way it just shows them using magic, like, actually baked in to the story. Like, we talked about this in the uh, Heartless War cutscene where Aerith cures Yuffie, mm-hmm. where, like, it actually shows a character using magic. Um, but here, like, no, like, they are full on just having magical duels, which is awesome. And yep. you, like, see a reflect and CG goodness. And it's like, oh my god, it's so cool. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. I like it when they use magic, like actually within the cutscenes. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that's fun to see. And yeah, it all began with birth by sleep. Oh boy! Except it didn't because we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, then it all began. It all began with gotcha games. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, secret ending. It's worth it if you haven't seen it already. Go do it. What are you waiting for? Exactly. But, yeah, and uh, very to point out earlier what you said. Um, I mean, we also referenced this during Lingering Will's fight. Uh, it's it's nice to see a lot of elements, like I guess technically sequel elements, then kind of pulled back for when it came to when BBS, I should say, as a whole came to fruition. So yep. I mean, parts of this cutscene we will see several times. It's because it's almost like we have to pay, play Birth by Sleep three separate times. Yeah, exactly. Woo! Oh yeah, and if you didn't notice, the big, the big knight is lingering Will's armor. So there you go. Woo! Hooray! <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but more secrets will be revealed about this here secretist ending in the Kingdom Hearts Two Ultimania interview. Woo! Woo! Which is our final talking point for today's episode. Um, so whenever this Kingdom Hearts game released, they'll release an Ultimania, which is basically like premium strategy guide. And then, uh, there'll be a special interview with Nomura where he lets loose all his secrets. Um, and they're always very interesting. So we will link this as well in the episode Mm -hmm. description for you to read in full because we're not going to touch on everything. Um, but it's worth reading in full, um, because there's just a lot of interesting insights into the game's development. Um, but yeah, we highlighted a few little sections that we thought we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it goes, um, you know, it covers everything from like the game's development. So like, Oh, like 
teasing the plot for future games, um, to, like, cut content, etc. Uh, so yeah, uh, right off the bat, uh, the interviewer asks him, like, oh, like, when did this game start development? And it's, it wasn't immediately after Kingdom Hearts 1, which is interesting. Like, as we know, Nomura had ideas for the sequel, but, you know, he didn't know that the sequel was going to happen. And <laughs> basically he says that they didn't want to start developing a sequel until Disney gave the go-ahead that they could use Mickey more. Mmm. <laughs> So Michael Mouse was just holding up development, like, no, you wait for me. <laughs> um, so I'm very curious what deal with the devil Namora signed for Disney to basically give him carte blanche to use Mickey however he saw fit. <laughs> yeah. Because after this game, he just does whatever the fuck he wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, how did they agree to this? <laughs> um... But yeah, Mickey's in. Yay! So that means Kingdom Hearts 2. Yay! Uh, so, thank God for the mouse. Um, and yeah, throughout the interview, he basically confirms what we all suspected, that Kingdom Hearts 2... Like, the whole design of the game, really, is in response to complaints from Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, so, we have that to thank for the streamlined to put it lightly world design um this is why we can't pointless maps yeah uh the lack of platforming basically because people were annoyed getting around the worlds in kingdom hearts one and getting lost he made it as easy as possible and made every world straight line so that you couldn't get lost and just to be extra safe he threw in a bunch of pointless maps (laughs) that like (laughs) have never helped me but maybe for some people it did but yeah yeah and that's why like, they ended in the yeah yeah go I, ahead i feel i know i was saying i feel like if you gave us maps in cage one there might have been a, a bit less complaining but we can't go we can't actually go back and fix this but yeah yeah it's uh it's, it's very interesting to see like that's the reason because definitely i think more people have played cage two because of well one we yep. knew of Kingdom Hearts by that point. Everyone knew that Kid Shoe was going to be a banger, but there weren't yep. very many roadblocks for like the average person to play Kingdom Hearts 2 besides buy the game, have a PlayStation. There are going to be some yep. hard parts to get through, but the game was mostly accessible to a lot of people, which I think is... Yep. In, in the, it, I think it's a double-edged sword at that point when it, when it comes to that and accessibility and availability, and that's a much larger discussion we could have further down the line, but... I, yeah, I do sure. see where they do be coming from, so it's understandable. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was interesting. He also explains that the game was sort of half and half between being planned ahead of time with stuff like Cage One's secret ending, um, mm-hmm. and then half of it just kind of climbing up as they were actually working on the game. So it's not, he doesn't have everything figured out. He doesn't have this grand vision board or more like conspiracy board. Where he has everything <laughs> I was about figured to say. out years <laughs> in advance like that. I mean, that's kind of obvious just looking at how the plot kind of develops. Mm-hmm. Um, but here he's confirming himself where like, yeah, a lot of it just kind of comes up as you're actually writing the game, but like the big beats, he has an idea of beforehand, um, but a perfect example, he explains that the, uh, the moon, the heart moon in the world the that never moon. was, 
uh, was basically a coincidence where um, they wrote that, oh, he made a moon of Kingdom Hearts, and then they realized, oh, wait, we had a moon heart on we the first game of box in. art. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he like specifically referred to it as Destiny on Nomura when he was explaining it. Uh, but basically, yeah, it just happened that way. Um, and yeah, he mentioned that like the interviewer was asking him like, oh, like what would you have done if Kingdom Hearts One never got a sequel and you couldn't, you know, continue the plot? Like, would you have been sad? Would you have gone into depression? Would your artistic <laughs> vision have been stifled? And oh was no! Like, yeah, he was basically like, well, if it didn't get a sequel, that probably means people didn't like it, so that would be fine. But yeah, he like. Explained that, like, that's why he put all those extra bits in the first game, so that there'd be more to it, like, after you finish playing it, to, like, speculate on and, like, leave some mystery. And then later on, he explains that, like, basically he thrives on the speculation. (laughs) (laughs) And he was saying, like, he felt like growing up when he was a kid, like, like, in the media he consumed, like, manga and television movies, like, it was all very straightforward, but he likes to, like, leave these little threads for people to, like, come up with fan theories. Yeah. Because um, he feels like it's less interesting when you just give them the answer. So, like, he's he knows what he's doing. And he's yes. very much in tune with the fan frenzy over even the most seemingly insignificant details. Um, I mean, yeah, that's I think that's a big part of... <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. I, well, I feel like when yeah, I think of when 100%. I think of these, I think of Kingdom Hearts in general because Nomura, you know what you're doing. But also, yeah. I mean, like earlier, we were like, "What? Where is the? What is the realm of nothingness exactly?" Like we're yeah. still going back and forth and strangling each other, like on yep. this show and in like other conversations that people have of Kingdom Hearts, like in general. Like I think it it fuels the want and the need and like and the love and the hate that. Uh, yep. Uh, we bring to the series like, like I say, hey, but like we've been oh yeah the past three games uh, because yeah. because we can, but um and and obviously they're not perfect, but I this is what's kind of keeping us still going to this day in twenty twenty. I mean, yeah, there's a reason why like as soon as the new Kingdom Hearts trailer comes out, like I'm dropping everything and I'm watching it because yep. he knows how to keep you hooked. <laughs> like to this day like this is like the only series that i like follow with some sort of regularity um, like in terms of like news and stuff um just because like yeah there's so many mysteries there's so many questions there's so many like so theories many un- to develop yeah there's so many <laughs> unanswered things that we would like to be answered and will it be answered yep. who knows <laughs> probably not exactly <laughs> so yeah um he also mentions, um, I think I talked about this a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. that um, he tasted sea salt ice cream at Tokyo Disney Sea, um, which I don't, I don't know if that's like a cruise line or like Tokyo Disney World or like a sea park specifically, um, but it's a place, and that's where he tasted it, and he said he liked it, and he mentioned wanting to add it in the game, but then Nojima, uh, who I, I didn't uh, grab the first name, but the scenario writer for Kingdom Hearts uh, 2, which is to say just, like, the writer, um, um, he's the one who, like, made it, like, super plot-relevant. 
<laughs> the piece of ice cream. Um, even to Namoru's surprise, where he's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, but okay. <laughs> so there you go. That's why sea salt ice cream is a thing, everybody. And he, like, said that he thinks that it's Nojima's playful side coming out that he made the ice cream so prominent. <laughs> mm. um, it is... So, uh, it's fun. It, it is Kazushika Nojima, who I remember actually now that I've looked at the full name. Nice. He, uh, he, he did a lot of work for Square for years and years, obviously, and then went to freelance work. Um, one thing I know is that he... And he's a video game writer, for anyone who cares. Um, there are... I remember... I, I remember very few things about Final Fantasy VIII, but the lyrics to its opener or like, theme of... Uh, Liberi Fatali are dope, and he actually wrote the lyrics for that, um, as well as that's like two very important songs in Ten that we won't delve into. But, but I know he did some work on like Crisis Core, Advent huh. Children. He is the guy who wrote he the story it. to Subspace Emissary. So all my Brawl fans out there, oh wow, yep, that's this, fun. This is your man's right here. Do you know if is he like still involved in Kingdom Hearts? I don't know exactly i know he worked on he worked for square for a number of years he left kind of in or around the time that king between cage one and cage two i know he left but still worked on some square stuff so i'm not sure if he's been involved with kh since two but definitely up to two definitely i'm trying to like peruse his uh his works right now um I don't think... He, okay, he was a scenario supervisor in Cage 3. He did some stuff on Remake, and he seems to be but working closely with Square as of, like, the past ten years ago. Okay. Nice. Um, and then, let's see, going from there, uh, he starts to talk about the Final Fantasy characters, mm-hmm. and... <laughs> so this is weird. So Tifa may have been in our heads the whole time. Oh, God. (laughs) So he explains that, and we talked about this with Sephiroth. um, He kind of confirms that, yes, Sephiroth and this universe, he's just a manifestation of clouds, darkness. So he's not the literal Sephiroth, because that Sephiroth doesn't exist here. Like, in this universe, cloud is cloud, and then Sephiroth... Is clouds darkness? Exactly. It's ad. And it's ad, Hey, it's it's Advent Children. But what if the plot of Advent Children was in Kingdom Hearts Two? Mm. Basically, like it's just it's just uh, clouds eternal eternal depression following him wherever he goes. Yeah, and on the other hand, Cloud's light is Tifa? Question mark. <laughs> I don't know. That's a choice. Like, if anything, shouldn't it be Aerith? But eh, whatever. Um, I, yeah, yeah. Well, while we've had this conversation about are these the exact characters from their yep. Final Fantasy games, or are they alternate universe versions of them? Because as as we know, Aerith is still alive and kicking in Kingdom yep. Hearts. Whereas in if this was if this was Seven Cloud, she is dead. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to go off. I mean, I made the joke, hey, it's Advent Children, but what if Advent Children was a Kingdom Hearts? Theoretically, Aerith is, like, has two scenes in Advent Children because she's just a spirit within the life stream at that point, so... Oh, boy. And to be fair, Tifa, as much as, welcome to the great love triangle of these three, 
But Tifa has, at least ever since the story of Seven, been Cloud's go-to individual. As much as Cloud will never accept or acknowledge that. Exactly, yeah. So... (laughs) Yeah, and it, but yeah. I, I saw your note on that, and I read that, and I was like, yeah, Tifa doesn't really talk to anybody. Yeah? She, like, like, he explains that she's his light, and that basically she only appears to Sora and Co. because they have a connection to Cloud's heart. But then, yeah, she doesn't interact with anyone else. You only ever see her talking to Sora or Cloud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is true... Yeah. Nomura chaotic energy right here. Yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe it yep. isn't. Who really knows? Yeah, because he said, or she could just be a resident of Hollow Bastion. So basically, he's just leaving it up to fan interpretation, yeah. much like. It, yeah. um, I forget what else it was, but there's something else where it's very similar where he's like, eh, you can decide for yourself. Exactly. With like a Final it, Fantasy character. It's that open endedness that keeps us coming back, baby. Yep. Um,. But yeah, on the note of Tifa, apparently she was supposed to be in the first game because someone on the staff was like, Tifa would be super fun to fight with. Exactly. Um, yes. She's a melee fighter. But um, just like time constraints. And basically, they were going to add her and Sephiroth to Final Mix, but it came down so they only had enough uh, resources for one, so they picked mm-hmm. Sephiroth. Uh, but now she's here too. Yay! She finally um, got here. So I, I mean, I'm happy. Um, yeah. And for years, I didn't know you could actually fight Tifa because I was a dumb idiot. I was gonna say a yeah. dumb kid, but but obviously I didn't play Paradox Cups until this go around. So yeah. <laughs> but I got to fight her, and I'm happy. Yeah. And then on the note of Final Fantasy characters, <laughs> so <laughs> we were asking why are the Gold Wings pixies? And surprisingly enough, Namora has an answer. <laughs> so yeah the interviewer bless their soul asked but why pixies and Amora explained I've always wanted to have a Final Fantasy character showing up as quote unquote something that looks human but isn't human at least once <laughs> <laughs> and he explained that because um, Kingdom Hearts is like a cross crossover between worlds that this would be fun yada 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 mm-hmm. and he also said something like if it was the girls in their full human bodies and they were, because like they're always on screen, all three of them at once, he was saying yes. that like that would be a bit crowded, which I guess I can see that. Yeah. Mark. Th- this stood out to me because I, well, again, like rewind like 10, 15 episodes when I was like, I got to know why they like this. It's my one purpose in life. And being like, hmm, interesting. But I, yeah, I can see that because again, the gold things are a group. Like, uh, to be fair, like, we see Come on, girls. kind of apart, but, like, we're always the boys. Yeah. Like, majority of the journey, luckily. Like, yep. uh, and so, yeah, I can see three grown-ass women, like, constantly, like, attached at the hip could potentially <laughs> cause a little problem. Like, I think, in, like, in game one, like, Leon and Yuffie were pretty synonymous with each other, but they, they could appear separately. And in two, they do appear, like, separately. But yep. I feel like with the Gold Wings, like... One, they have a game where you play as the Goldwings. Like, they're so central to each other's path and story that, like, having one or two may not have the same impact as all three of them. But then, like, Nomura just said, like, having all three of them, like, because when you don't talk to just Yuna, you talk to Yuna, Riku, and Pain all at once. Yep. 
Yeah. So there you go, everybody. They're pixies. Just for funsies. <laughs> Woo! And then we never see them ever again! Well, yeah. don't quote me on that, actually, uh, because who knows what the hell could come up in the time yep. it takes us to get to the end of the series as so far. Uh. Exactly. Um, so yeah, throughout um, this sort of section I'm going to talk about Final Fantasy, they mention, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Advent Children a lot. And there's this one answer that was interesting to me. Um... Uh, blah, 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 blah. They're, like, talking about the next game that Nomura's going to work on, which, spoiler, mm. is not Kingdom Hearts 3. And he says, well, there's way, there are ways to go around it. I already started thinking on that title's plot and character by myself. That yep. title is hidden inside Final Fantasy VII Advent Children in a surprising manner, by the way. Ha, 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 ha. Do you know what the hell he's talking about? <laughs> I don't think I do. Like, nothing's popping up, like... I would have to like like uh, take like a break and Google like a bunch of crap and come back. Like, there's nothing that like off the top of my head. Like, what could be hidden within like seven Advent Children? Because Amora mm-hmm. was a part of thirteen, but like Versus thirteen would have been his baby. I doubt yep. there's a Versus thirteen. You know what? I don't say I doubt there's a Versus thirteen reference mm-hmm. or scene. There might be from Advent Children, huh. but if if I if I had to pin my money on something. I would pin it on being something versus 13 related, which for those who don't know, versus 13 was supposed to be a game within the, is it, I can never pronounce it without reading it. Novellus Crystallis. Fabula like the, Nova Crystallis. Thank I you believe. very much. This is why we keep Kevin around. Um, yeah. So versus 13. Was supposed I'm to not be even the final the fantasy guy. Exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, but it, it turned to final fantasy 15. Spoiler alert. Woo. But like, <laughs> Nomura would be the person to make that kind of deep cut. So, yeah. my money's on that. Well, Maybe I'll double check for uh, our wrap-up episode. Maybe I'll remember to look into that and come back, but... Yeah. Curious. Could it have been... Could it have been, like, um, Crisis Core? Or... Mm. I'm thinking of the A, B, C, D titles. Yeah. Before Crisis, Crisis Core, Dirge of Cerberus. Mm-hmm. You know what? We have the internet. Let me look it up. <laughs> it should Pets. be... Yeah, because Advent... In the compilation of FF7, it starts with Advent Children. Welcome to your history lesson, kids. Uh, you can shoot me in the face later. But uh, they did... It's like, here's the compilation of 7. We're going to do a bunch of 7 stuff. Because 7 is our money maker! So yeah, they yep. did Advent Children the movie. And then Before Crisis, which was a series of Japanese mobile games... God, which we'll get into much later down the line. Um, uh, that featured the... T- uh, it's all like a bunch of stuff that happened pre-7. So we see like Barrett. We see Red 13. It focuses mainly on the Turks. The, you know, the group, obviously. Uh, we have Crisis Core, which features the one and only Zach Fair, front and center. All praise be to Zach. Uh, then we got Dirge of Cerberus. And we are g- finally continuing the compilation of FF7 in God's Year of 2022. With Ever Crisis, which is basically going to compile everything we just talked about into like bite-sized episodic gaming uh, for your mobile Wait, device, yay! Oh, uh, oh, I see. Um, okay, I have Tetsuya Nomura's gameography in oh. front of me, and let's see, let's see, let's see. It's Advent Children would have been confusing. 07? So. After Kingdom Hearts 2, I think Advent Children was 2006, but again, I'm not the Final Fantasy character. 
It is 2005. Okay. I think oh, Advent Children geez. Complete, which is what I have. Like, the, here, you know, here's the initial version of Advent Children. Oh, basically, Advent Children and Advent Children Final Mix are things that yep. exist. So I think yep. final, the final mix, the Advent Children Complete, uh, came yeah. out like a year or two later, which is why I, I always think of 07. But yeah. Yeah. So his very next project after Kingdom Hearts 2, he was the character designer for <gasps> Dirge of Cerberus Final Fantasy 7. So that could be the game he's referring to, but I assumed he would be the director on this game. But the only games he directs over like the next 10 years are Kingdom Hearts games and then Final Fantasy 15 and 2015. But uh, after George of Cerberus, let's see, <laughs> he was the graphics supervisor for Mario Hoops 3 on 3. Oh my <laughs> god. Okay, I, I, it might so have been on the show. God. That, 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 was, that was clearly the title that was hidden in Advent Children. <laughs> three on three! Oh, oh, oh! Back when we did Game Corner, there is definitely a Game Corner. I can't know which episode it is. Superfan yeah. might let it know. I, I screamed because I was playing Mario Hoops three on three. I forgot it was a square game. So I saw Nomura's name pop up. I saw yep. Masayoshi Soken, who is the composer for 14. And I was like, oh my god, this is like the weirdest niche entry that Square has ever done. Yep. And I loved yeah. every minute of it. Ugh. Yeah. And then other than that, he was like the character designer, graphic supervisor, blah, 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 for like a bunch of other smaller things. Mostly like a few Final Fantasy like remakes for 5 and 6 on the advance. And then in 2007, he was the creative producer and character designer on two games... The World Ends With You, and Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII. So, it must be either Crisis Core or Dirge of Cerberus, um, but I'm very curious. Like, does it literally have the title in Advent Children? Hmm. Hmm. The plot thickens. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay. The man loves his little Easter eggs, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, anyways, back to Kingdom Hearts. Um, so, let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, so, they were asking about Organization 13, and it was interesting to me. He, Nomura, explained that um, he knew that Xemnas was going to be number one, and Roxas was going to be number 13 from the get-go. But okay. then... He said that other people collaborated on, um, what was the exact phrasing he used? Um, it's the, it's a question where he mentions, when was it founded? Oh, I don't know. You tell me. I control find Zemnis. Zemnis or Zexian? I think it's around there for it. Because one of the questions I know is, looks like Zexian has a lot of fans. Ah. Okay. So the question was, on the subject of characters, all the mysterious 13 organization members finally appeared in Kingdom Hearts 2. Was it you who thought up of their settings? Mm-hmm. Which I'm going to assume means, like, just, like, their design. Um, 
And his answer was, no, I didn't completely decide on everything. A few people were also part of it. But Zimnus as number one and Roxas number 13 has always been in the initial settings of the creation of the organization. But basically, like mm. other people created numbers 2 through 12. Okay. Which is kind of surprising to me that, like... I mean, Nomura's whole thing is he's a character designer. So, like, I mm. would just assume that he came up with them all on his own. Um, especially because some of them are, like, really plot-relevant. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was surprising to me that, like, other people kind of came up with them and then he just kind of figured out what to do with them after the mm. fact. So, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I can Like, who, who designed Axel? You know what I mean? Mm. And who... And who... Mm. <laughs> and where can I find... <laughs> Their bank account. <laughs> um, oh. So, yeah, that was surprising. Because, like, that's Kingdom Hearts 2's whole well, thing is the organization. Exactly. So. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I can understand. I mean, at this point, being a game director, I could totally see uh, come up with a bunch of interesting characters and let's see, like, f- what final approval looks like. But yep. um, I can totally see, like, here's a range of ideas we want what do we like? What do we don't like? Who needs to be pro- plot relevant? Who can sit in the shadows the entire time? Yeah. Obviously comes across during the development process, I imagine. So I think that would be, that'd be very interesting. Because, of course, everything needs the uh, Nomura final say. But, I mean, I think the organization is pretty... I'm not going to say they're oh so diverse, but um, some of them do kind of bleed a little bit. But I feel like majority of the organization members are distinct and memorable we sometimes may not be able to uh pronounce their names or write their names correctly but they all do kind of stand out on their own at the least whether it be for good reasons like we love axel bad reasons because larkseen can go burn in hell but they're distinct at the very least yeah good group of baddies iconic um which came first, the organization or Akatsuki? I would say I, I would say the Akatsuki first, probably. <laughs> so he definitely read Naruto and was like, "I want to do that." <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe. I mean, there I feel many like... parallels that you could draw between the two. Exactly. I mean that. Ugh. So whenever I see black robe, mysterious black robe figures, primarily in a square title, they will always be. Oh, look, it's Organization 13! Well, it's obviously not Organization 13. But yep. I feel like I... And this might be a personal thing. I've definitely memed the hell out of, like, Oh, look at these mysterious black-cloaked figures! Uh-huh. Um, 14, Final Fantasy 14, also has that same trope with the Ashians. Ashians, however you prefer to say it. But they are black-robed creatures who dwell in the darkness. And... Um, yep. That... There are some other ones as well, within and outside of the Square Library, of course. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's a classic look. You can't yep. beat it. <laughs> um, cool, cool. So, um, one other note I had um, yeah. that's sprinkled throughout uh, a lot of the answers is he, and this could be a translation thing, but he uses the word death a lot, which is interesting to me because... We don't use that term in-game very much. Um, Like, no one, one I shouldn't say no one truly dies, because people lose their hearts to the heartless constantly, but we don't talk about death 
Yep. Especially later in the series, when some people may or may not find a way to <laughs> exit or enter the realm of the living once more. So, yeah, yeah the like, reason I paused was in the uh, answer reports. Answer mentioned when a soul leaves a body, uh, the body perishes or dies, whatever. So mm-hmm. death is a thing in this universe, but like the the actual characters, they never talk about death. They never explicitly say that anyone's died. So it's funny to me that he's so casually tossing out the term death, specifically uh, mostly referring to like all the organization members from Castle Oblivion. He like yep. says that they died, which is like not the case oh, at no. all. Oh <laughs> no, they're dead. We'll never see them ever uh-huh. again. <laughs> so yeah, that was interesting. Uh, but then he goes on to talk about some cut content um, from the game, or content that he wishes was in the game. Um, so they like talked about the scene between Roxas and Zimnus at the start of the game, blah blah blah, yep. and, like how Roxas came to be. And uh, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Namora said that he really wanted to do a scene where, or, or they were like asking about the secret behind the organization members' names, which yep. uh, we all know it's an X and an anagram. But he was saying he wanted to include a scene where Roxas got his name, where all the letters appear, then they circle around them, and then BAM! X. <laughs> and we got um, that in Final Mix. And yeah, luckily, like exactly how he described it. Yes. <laughs> so this, this interview took place before Final Mix was everything, so all the questions are about, oh, is Kingdom Hearts 2 going to get a Final Mix? Yada yada. It was yes. like right very shortly after Kingdom Hearts 2 Vanilla came out. In Japan? Yes. Because um, this was even before it was out in uh, the U.S. Yes. Because I, I the, when they mentioned the final mix, um, and we talked about this with KH1's final mix, um, a lot of people do like the English voice acting. Yeah. So, and it was a, you know, that was a, a little bitty that uh, reared, I was to reared its ugly head, but came back and I was like, I remembered that point. I do mm-hmm. remember things from time to time. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought that was, that was interesting. And this is even also before KH2 International came out. So. Yep. Very, very, uh, interesting. Um, yep. But I guess, yeah, I guess the Roxas name would have happened, Roxas, Roxas name scene would have happened in two Final Mix, but because that is a Japan exclusive, and also because 358 is a Roxas game, most of us saw it first in in, in 358 when we played 358. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, uh, one other thing that was cut was, um, they wanted to bring the Castle Oblivion uh, organization members back, yes. uh, possibly as, like, Coliseum fights, but he couldn't think of a story reason to justify it. And also, exactly. just timing was an issue to then have to program those fights. Um, but as we so laboriously explained in previous episodes, they returned in Final Mix as Data Incarnations, so the gang's yep. all here. <laughs> well, I, I guess we could also attribute that to Recoder The prophecy's well. been foretold. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I guess we have re- we have, we have re- not, not Recoded, we have we have Recom Recom. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Whew. In Japan, Final Mix was, like, basically a, a package bundle with, uh, with re-chain of memories. So, yes. I mean, the, the fights were already programmed in the 3D space, so luckily it was just yanking them, and, or I, I, it's a very, who came first, the chicken or the egg, in right. that scenario as well, so that's also very interesting. Because we wouldn't yep. get re-chain of memories 
until 2007 as like a standalone in the, in the U.S. Actually, which is yeah. funny, very funny to think about because it was into the PS3's life cycle. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh boy, a PS2 game. It's the new Kingdom. Oh, it's just Tina Memories. <laughs> it's just Tina Memories again. We gotcha. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was at least very interesting. I feel like the Colosseum theoretically could have worked, but could you, just yeah. because we talked about death, because obviously or, or we brought back Orin for Olympus Colosseum yeah. reasons. But I do, I do. It would be like, weird. <laughs> exactly, I do like the ambiguity that is just the absence of the wet. Like it's oh, here, yeah. not for any story reason. We're just gonna stick it here. You'll fight yep. it at some point. We're gonna make a hotter version. Like it doesn't need to be interwoven with the story. Luckily, agreed. Um, and yeah, in that same response, he uh, dropped that Luxord is his favorite member. Um, Interesting. Let me. Let me Interesting. Or maybe he didn't say favorite, but he said, um, uh, "I actually like organization a lot, especially Luxord. I like how he's stylish and strangely has a glossy demeanor." <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because, in my opinion, Luxor is one of the more forgettable. He's very boring. Yeah, exactly, so that is yeah. interesting. So um, we're talking. We're talking. Oh, you go first. No, I have. I have a follow up. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's interesting with what we know now about Luxor and his potential mm-hmm. significance. Um, I feel like came after the fact. Nomura probably was like, "Wait, I like this character. Let me do something with him." Um, and, like, the context for which he is important ties into something else that Nomura holds very close to his heart. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> it's gambling. Nomura's in debt. He's a horrible... He's just, uh, Every day. Money on the ponies. Um, uh, no. But, yeah, but what we're, you say your so, piece. <laughs> when we were talking about design, I was thinking, we know a few of the uh, Organization 13 designs outside of the black coat. But there are some that we only know in the black coat, and I want to say Luxord is one of one of I think maybe the only remaining one actually that hasn't gotten a out of black coat form as of early February 2022. Because like we, obviously we know the apprentices, Ax, uh, Lee or Axel, whatever you prefer. I'll always say Lee at the end of the day, um, and Isa. Um, at this point, to a degree, Mom, Marluxia. And Larxene, but I feel yeah, like Luxord's one of the ones that we've only seen. Luxord Dem- and then Demix? Demix. Yeah. Well, so we have seen Luxord, but I feel like we've only seen his head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, don't, yes. I don't want to say too much about it, because we're way jumping the gun. But yeah, yeah he exactly. is very much an enigma wrapped up in a mystery, um, trapped in a black box. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then one other thing, uh, that sounds like it was like Namora and like the whole team's like biggest regret for Kingdom Hearts 2 is they missed the Mushroom Heartless. Oh, <laughs> we all missed the Mushroom Heartless. Don't worry, Namora. Did. And it sounded like that was like his number one priority. He's like, I know exactly what I'm going to do for them. If we get a final mix, damn it, I'm going to bring them back. <laughs> <laughs> and then as, ex- again, as explained in last episodes, um, Brought them back, they did, as the organization Mushroom Heartless. Um, so, you love to see it. Um, so, yeah, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, the interviewer asked him, um, 
let's see, uh, a secret about the game that only you know. And he mentioned something about how Xehanort, uh, his name, obviously has an X in it, but when you take that out and rearrange the bits, you get two words. You get Mm -hmm. no heart, obviously, but also another. And he explained that they both tie into the secret ending. And I'm racking my brain... And I'm not, I can't really put my finger on what another could be alluding to, my but like, uh... I feel like there are like a dozen different things you could say, and they all make sense, so. My, yeah. my, yeah, my initial thought is just the fact that at this, up to this point, we didn't know about the existence and the life of Master Xehanort, so yeah. Xehanort has, theor- has had a whole life before this i think that if i had to pick one the main one that's like the one that that's sticking like i have some other like possibilities but that one makes the most sense to me thinking about it for for 10 whole seconds yeah there's definitely something to be said for like the duality or should i say the triality or should i say the pentagramality (laughs) or should i say whatever the latin word for 13 is um (laughs) To a Xehanort that another could be referring to, like, he lives many lives, not just this one. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And speaking of Xehanort, uh, mm. at some point, uh, Namura says something about, oh, Xehanort was about the only one who was able to keep a human... He was talking about um, how the apprentices gave their hearts. And he said, Xehanort was about the only one. Who was able to keep a human form. What do you mean about? There were only <laughs> six of them. Like <laughs> They're all they're all human. Either he was or he wasn't. Are you trying to say one like one or more of the other apprentices kept their human forms? <laughs> Cause I wouldn't be surprised if you're trying to retcon that in now. <laughs> Why do you do this to us? Oh boy. Uh, yeah, so just keep that in mind. If anything comes out about that, don't be surprised. Ah, there was another human the whole time. Um, and then another similarly frustrating comment that had me bang my head against the wall. Uh, they were asking about Wade Dawn, um, Riku's Keyblade, and how it came to be. And Namor explained that, oh, yeah, it looks like Soul Eater, because it was the intermediary between them, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But he explains, and I quote, Keyblades aren't something that you can obtain suddenly out of nowhere. (laughs) That would be ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? That's literally how Sora got the Keyblade. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's also the way how about three other characters get the damn Keyblades yep. as well? You're ah! trying to tell me Kyrie didn't obtain her Keyblade suddenly out of nowhere when it literally <sighs> came out of nowhere? When Riku literally just pulled it out of his ass and said, oh yeah, girl, I got you a present. Here you go. <laughs> <sighs> uh, drives me crazy. <laughs> <sighs> God like, damn it, no more. Ah! He's trying to say, like, like Way to Dawn is, like, the exception, not the rule. Like, this whole idea of, like, an in-between weapon. Like, no one else has done that. You could maybe make an argument 
for some other characters, which we won't get into now because mild spoilers, but mm. like, like that, that, that's not a thing. Don't try to make that a thing anymore because you just sound silly. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. but uh yeah it's a it's a <laughs> god I, I can't even but that's looking back this is very funny because my, so my yep. first thought when i read that line was in reference to when a certain character gets a keyblade like uh further down the line but as as we were talking about it, i was like no wait a minute like to be fair, Riku Riku has the ability to wield the Keyblade. We know he was supposed to be the original Keyblade wielder. And over the course of the game, magically, Soul Eater, you know, a, who, which was a Keyblade kind of sort of, finally became a real Keyblade. But they, and also Kairi got uh, Destiny's Embrace. Just like, again, Riku uh, pulling a Bugs Bunny and just pulling it out of his butthole and being like, hey, 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 yeah. here you go, girl. Um, yep. And yeah, there's... There's more than a few times. It's Nomura contradicting himself already, but then it's funny. Yeah. It's very funny looking back at this and knowing where we go to. So, yep. Oh, I'll, sure. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that before I rip my hair out. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, one last note that I just wanted to highlight is basically they're asking, like, where does the plot go from here? Like, do you already have the plot figured out for Kingdom Hearts 3? Never. And, yeah, I just quoted his response because I thought it was very relevant. Um, So he said, hmm, I have an idea, but it can't be helped because my team is planning to work on our next upcoming title. So Mm -hmm. we're not working on Kingdom Hearts 3 now, and we're not planning to work on it for some time, too. I have a plot in my head, but I'm not sure if it'll be released to the world or just stay in there. So... (laughs) From the got his own fanfic going on. <laughs> yeah, like, I have to wonder how much that plot has changed uh, between then and when Kingdom Hearts 3 actually came out. But, um, like, from the beginning, they were very clear. Listen, Kingdom Hearts 3 is not going to be here for a while. Like, plant your butts, uh, go through some life changes, become an adult, and then we'll talk. <laughs> yeah. But in the meantime, here's my Final Fantasy. <laughs> exactly. But, I just thought that was an interesting quote to to look back on now that we're uh, uh yeah over three years out from Kingdom Hearts three Jesus yeah KH three so record to recording this oh my gosh in early February uh, last week uh, yeah. yeah last er, sorry I'm looking the, at the calendar January nineteenth yes. January twenty sixth uh, it was the it was yeah it was the two weeks ago so it was the end of towards the end of January. I saw the social media post about, hey, KH3 is separating its third anniversary because it's a number. And I was like, oh, damn. It yeah. has been that long since KH3. Shout out to KH3. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Eventually. Eventually. Uh, but speaking of eventually, <laughs> um, yeah, that about wraps it for Ultimania stuff. And this yeah. year, this episode, it's good, so. it's good stuff. The uh, the only ultimate we didn't talk about it. It's a very small note that I like in the Ultimania is oh. the decision between half of the worlds being new and half the worlds being leg. I'll call them legacy worlds. Yes. Um. Uh, they reference uh, like that, so you know there is a familiarity, but also something new. I just yeah, I personally just like that. It was it was a cute little bitty. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you mentioned, like, oh, it is a sequel, so people are going to want to see some of the older worlds, so. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and relive a similar plot. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. People will... Oh, God. As if as if we're starving to see these worlds again, because God knows we have so rare opportunity to actually visit them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that about covers it. And yeah. so... Next episode. The time has come. We've reached the end of the road. It is our final Kingdom Hearts 2 episode, where we're mm-hmm. bringing back the Crowley Awards, baby! Yeah, it's the big rack up episode, where basically we're just gonna summarize the game as a whole and our thoughts on it, maybe slap a rating on it or something. Um, and yeah, just conclude this here arc. It has been a long time coming, but the journey's been fun. So, lots to celebrate. Yeah. And then, yeah, with that comes a little, little, little announcement. So, we're going to do things a little differently this time, uh, now that we're wrapping up a game. And we're just going to take a, a little smidgy bit of a hiatus, just to catch our breath and, you know... Uh, recollect our thoughts and mm-hmm. let our strength accumulate. Um, yeah, so there's going to be a little in break, a little, little bit of break in between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Days, as the next game we'll cover. So just yep. giving you a heads up now, just so next week it's not a complete surprise Yeah, when you don't, don't see us the next we don't week just after co- that. We don't just come out of the phone and snap your back in half. Bye-bye. <laughs> we'll let you down um, easy. Yeah. So... Yeah, we're going to take uh, a couple of months off. Um, so right now we're looking at, let's see, April is when the 20th anniversary event is, specifically April 10th. And yes. we were thinking we'll come back when we have something to talk about from there. But it's a little unclear what that event is going to be and how much yeah. news might actually come out of it. So Exactly. <laughs> eh, jury's out. Um, but regardless, we're aiming to come back around then, but... Yeah, maybe we'll be back a little earlier. Maybe we'll be back a little later. But it won't be too long. Relax. We'll be back in your earbuds soon enough. Um, And yeah, maybe in the meantime, we might sprinkle in a little mini-sode or two here and there. Um, mm-hmm. So keep an ear out for that. But yeah, just adds up. Um, we will be taking... Uh, a little break, a little little uh, yeah. let's see season finale for you, if you will. Um, exactly, we have to go. To, we have to start production the next season. Yes, um, it's, it's, be- it's it's good and sad at the same time. Like I hate, like I hate the fact that we're not going to be putting out content every week. But then again, I know you and I could definitely use the reprieve. Yeah, um, and I, I just and need to recharge. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because my first thought is, it hasn't been that long, but we've been posting every week every for week over a year. For over point. a year. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think the, the break is good. It'll help us, one, recharge, two, play around with content we don't normally do. Yeah. So our, our little in-between biddies will be kind of very freeform. They're not going to be, well, theoretically, they won't be as structured as a normal episode. It'll give us so uh, a variety is the spice of life. <laughs> um, but yeah, it also allows us to think, you know, because we kind of, with 
with going through a world and plotting out like what we need to talk about like it's a very like quick and fast firing format going into days and onward we'll kind of have like a, a better Ooh. structure it'll yeah. give us time to reassess everything we've done so far and think about our future so it's uh yeah. I, i'm always sad but then the, the common sense part of my brain comes and drops kicks me and says hey now nah, it's yeah. probably pretty important dude so yeah and for me i've never played days so i just want to have a little bit of headspace <laughs> in between then so i'm da- not like da- yeah, exactly just right. bogged yep. down by all the other games want to get a little breathing room so i can discuss it a little more objectively uh. Um, exactly, and I think the two DS titles are going to be very, int- very interesting mm, points when yeah. we go through them. So, I think having a little leeway and, a, and a, a, some time before we start recording to delve in and consider what's going on, because yeah. especially for a lot of the no, not the remake games, the games between numbered titles, the flight like, like we did for Calm, like the flow is very different from a normal cage yep. game. So that requires a lot of delving and figuring out as well because we did we did kind of exactly. calms on, the, on the fly like we did a right behind the scenes for for chain of memories that was kind of really all over the place we would just kind of like do yeah do a lot of content be like all right one day we'll let, you know we're gonna talk and we're gonna see how long we go and da, 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 yep. it was very really by the seat of our pants yeah exactly um yeah and I, oof, I don't even know how we're going to approach that with days, but that's why we're taking this time to figure it out. Um, So yeah, that'll be the plan going forward uh, in between each game. We'll just take some time off. Um, But yeah, we'll be back soon enough. And don't forget next week, we're going out with a bang. So stay tuned for the big wrap up show where all the winners will be announced. It's going to be fabulous. (laughs) So, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, mm-hmm. Reminder, check out all the links in the episode description for yes. the Ultimate interview, the answer reports, and the secret ending. Um, and, yeah, there are other things you could do while you're looking at their, that their episode description. You can rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. You can mm-hmm. subscribe if you have not already, especially now that we're going to take a break, because who knows when we'll be back, but you will if you subscribe. Yeah. Uh, you can email us at khbhpodcast at gmail.com. We've been getting a few emails lately. It's very exciting. Love to hear from the fans. Um, you can refer a friend, and you'll get discount code khbh20. No. That's a joke. But you can tell a friend uh, who also likes Kingdom Hearts and, yeah, spread the love. And that is about it. Above all else, you can have yourself a great week. And we'll see you next time to the Crownies pre-show. We're gonna walk the red carpet, darling. Oh, I think it's Donald, and he's wearing his mage outfit. Donald, who are you wearing? (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.